0: ladies and welcome to the amazing bible.book club i am julie Callio, your host and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in today if by chance you would want to contact me with regards to either questions or comments, you can contact me at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Well, today we're looking at Exodus chapters 19 and 20. And chapter 19 begins in the third month, which is Savan, which is our calendar of May and June. They came to the wilderness of Sinai. One of the things that I'm trying to do this time around is take my Bible out and read through and try to follow along where people are and places are going. And one of the things I've already noticed is that sometimes the maps are different. And one of the reasons for that is that some of the towns that are mentioned in the Bible are no longer in existence. And so one has to sort of guess where they think it might be. Those things don't bother me. Of course, the main thing is that they came to the wilderness of Sinai. Verse 2 says that they encamped under or before the mount. And then Moses went up unto God. And God said to Moses to tell the people, You have seen what I did in Egypt. You have seen how I lifted you on eagles' wings. And you have seen how I brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice, and if you keep my covenant, Then you shall be a peculiar treasure to me above all people, although all the earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In verse 8, Israel responded, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. One of the things we're going to notice is that Moses goes up to the mountain and then Moses comes down to the mountain. And he is the mediator between the two, God and the people of Israel. Then God told Moses that he will speak to Moses in a thick cloud so that the people will believe in Moses. Verse 10 says, go to the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready for the third day, for I will come down in the sight of all people on Mount Sinai. They were set boundaries. They were not to go to the mountain. They were not to touch the border of it. And whoever touches it shall be put to death. That included not just the people, but the animals. On the third day, thunder and lightning and thick clouds on the mountain, and the voice of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the far point of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was covered in smoke, and the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke ascended as a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And God called Moses up to the top. Moses went back down to speak to the people. Again, we don't think about, I mean, he's walking up a mountain. Number one, it's not easy. (laughs) Number two, it's not like instantaneous. So then here we get into chapter 20 with the Ten Commandments. And God says, I am the Lord thy God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then we have the 10 commandments. So this is like a precursor to it. The reason for the 10 commandments is because God is the Lord. He is the I am. So number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make any graven images, no idols. You're not to bow down to them because God is a jealous God. And then he visits the iniquity of the fathers up to the children, unto the third and fourth generation, to those that hate him. And he shows mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. I just want to show you the mercy of the Lord here. For the children of those that hate the Lord, you know how we've heard it said the sins of the fathers go down to the second and third generations, but it stops there. And you can be one of those generations where it stops. But with the people that love him, it's thousands of generations. So number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will hold him guiltless who takes God's name in vain. I think of this a lot when sometimes when watching various movies and pray for God to forgive some of these actors who will use the Lord's name in vain. And sometimes I have to turn those movies off because it just hurts my spirit too much. Then remember the Sabbath day. And keep it holy. Six days you shall work. And on the seventh it will be a Sabbath unto the Lord. So don't work. Nor your son. Nor your daughter. Nor your manservant or maidservant. Nor your cattle. Nor your strangers that are within thy gates. This is so kind of the Lord. Because the man of the house. He could have said. Okay I'm going to rest and honor the Lord. But uh, you guys can do the work for me. But no, no one is to work on the Sabbath. And God sets clear guidelines. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right, ladies, these first four commandments were what we would call vertical They go up. They're our relationship with God, how we relate to him. Then the next six are all horizontal. They deal with how we deal with one another in our lives. So number five, we are to honor thy father and mother in order that you may have long life. This is the one commandment that gives a promise Number six, we are not to kill or to murder. Number seven, we are not to commit adultery. Number eight, we don't steal. Number nine, we're not to bear false witness against a neighbor. In other words, we're not to lie. Number 10, we are not to covet anything that, any, that our neighbor has or anything that anyone has. All the people saw the thunder, the lightning, the noise of the trumpets, the mountain smoke, and they moved back from the mountain. And they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said, fear not, for God has come to prove you and that this fear may be before your faces that you sin not There is a purpose in fearing of the Lord. That fear of the Lord, the recognizing of who he is, is important. And one of the reasons is that we will not sin and hurt our own selves. And the people stood far away and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. Then in verses 22 through 26, God explains how to make an altar for him where you make sacrifices, burnt offerings, and peace offerings. And everywhere that they record the name of the Lord, they are to make an altar. And God will bless them. And they are to use stones from the ground, but they are not to carve it, because if they carve it, then it has polluted it. One thing my Old Testament professor, Dr. Betts, would say is that the Jews never talked about the law in a negative light. For instance, the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119, and it is a poem about how the law of the Lord is a delight to them. Dr. Betts also said that with the God of the Jews, they never had to guess what he was like or what they were to do because God made it extremely clear. Whereas some of these other religions, they were trying to guess on how to make their lives good enough to be pleasing to the Lord. God lays it all out in great detail. And that was a wonderful thing for the Jews. One problem that does arise with the law is that the sin seed, which we inherited from Adam and Eve, makes it impossible for us to fully keep the law. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans, it is through the law that we can see that we're all sinners. In the book of Galatians, also written by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he calls the law our schoolmaster or our governess, someone who looks over us until we come of age. And then in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come... God sent forth his son, made of a woman. Remember that promise way back in Genesis. Made of a woman and yet made under the law, because he was fully human, to redeem us from under the law. And God, through Moses, redeemed the people of Israel from the slavery and the bondage. Here, God through Jesus Christ redeems us from under the law that we might receive the adoptions of sons that we might come into the family of God Jesus who did not carry that sin seed lived a perfect life therefore he alone was worthy to be our sacrifice the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world he Jesus became our mediator to God. We go through him to access and to hear from the Lord. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for those of us who believe in Christ, for it is by grace that we are saved through faith in Jesus and not of works, lest anyone can boast. And Abraham also was saved through faith in the coming one, not through the law, because the law hadn't been created yet. I'd like to end today with something that I learned from a video series called That the World May Know. The Bible teacher is Ray Vanderlaan, and it's through Focus on the Family. And he sees this time with the Ten Commandments and with them at Mount Sinai as a wedding He points out, I'll bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'll set you free from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. I will take you to be my own people and I will be your God. And so here, God says he brought them forth as in a husband going and getting his bride. And in a Jewish wedding, they have a canopy, which represents the covering and the protection of God. Well, here in Sinai, they stood beneath or under the mountain. Then with a Jewish wedding, they purify themselves and they consecrate themselves before getting married. And that's what God commanded the children of Israel to do. Go purify yourselves for three days. Then there's a marriage contract And the Ten Commandments become our marriage contract with the Lord. We will find out in Exodus 31 that the Sabbath is a sign of our relationship. The Sabbath becomes our ring with God, as if saying, I love you. And so the Ten Commandments become our wedding vows. A Jewish man once said, a relationship without the Ten Commandments is like a marriage without vows. We are in this passage, we are again reminded that we are a treasured possession. And in 1 John 5, 3, in New Testament, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. We don't keep the Ten Commandments because we're trying to be good enough for God. We keep the Ten Commandments because we love him, and we want to show him how much we love him. It seems as if God's love language is obedience. When we obey him, we show him how much we love him. And remember that the Israelites said, we will. In other words, they give a marriage pledge of I do. So ladies, have you said I do to the God of the creator of the universe, who is also the God of Abraham and Isaac? who is also the God who redeemed the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land? If not, then will you do it today? If you have said, I do, Peter says in his first letter in the New Testament of chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen generation. We read that in this passage. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again Ray Vanderlaan's video series is that the world may know God has saved you and saved me that the world may know that there is a God and that God loves them and he is calling them unto himself. So Christian, is your life showing forth the praises of God? Are you declaring the wonderful works that he has done in your life? So today, ladies, if you hear his voice, let's be women who will obey. Until next time, and again, thanks for listening.